0: Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Hi to all of you that are online. So glad you're watching us now or at a future time. Did you, did you smile at the person next to you? You know, we're really short on smiles. I don't know if you've been in, uh, in one of the essential businesses, but there ain't very many people smiling. I have never in my short amount of years ever seen a time where it was more easy or easier to shine the light of Jesus and the joy that he brings and the peace that he gives than to walk into one of these essential businesses and smile at people. The, The word of the Lord says that we can put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. If you're feeling low or heavy in spirit or you're feeling depressed, why don't you begin to thank him. Something I like to do at my early, early morning prayer time that I like to, to participate in, it's just for me. I like to come early to early morning prayer And one of the things I like to do is just endlessly list the things that I am so thankful for. Things that may not be a big deal to you, but to me, they're a huge deal. Things the Lord has done for me. Things I didn't even know he did, I thank him for. I put on a garment of praise. It lifts off the spirit of heaviness. I want to encourage you at that. And I want to encourage you to smile at people. I, I, I want to thank Pastor Daniel for letting me share uh, the word of the Lord. I get to do so many things that to serve the Lord, I am happy to do whatever I am asked to do, uh, whether it's uh, preach the word or sweep the floor or help put cones out. I just want to serve the king. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I just want to do something. For the one who gave his all for me. I have had the privilege of uh, having many, uh, what you want to call maybe interns or people that serve in my ministry. And when we have faced challenging moments that confronted them with what they were comfortable with, I've often said to them if Jesus could hang on the cross for six hours. And give his very life. What could you do for him? I love to reflect on that because my God, my king, my creator gave his everything. Gave the very treasure of heaven for me and all of my fracturedness. I want to do everything I can. I owe owe him everything. And I know you do too. Come on, would you just honk your horn in praise while I open the word? Lord, we thank you, God. I'm going to try to turn my wet pages uh, to the book of 1 Corinthians. And I want to share this being Easter Sunday. You know, it's so exciting. I got to be in a, in a Good Friday service. I don't know if you got to join us. You can go back and watch it. But I actually got to be in a Good Friday service this week. First time ever in 20 years. I've been on staff for just over 20 years on KC uh, with, with our church here. And I've never been in a Good Friday service. So how, how is that possible? That's because my family and, and my ministry has always, for years and years, always um, <clears throat> did outreaches on Good Friday. We lived in Maui for... 15 years and even then we moved away from Maui and, and to Oregon to here and Good Friday has always been dedicated in our family to outreaches large community events speaking on a microphone even in the rain and hearing your your voice echo down the street is nothing new for our family we've done that for years and years but but to be in a Good Friday service i was so thrilled to get to be invited by pastor to preach at a to be, to do a little portion of the good friday service so thank you pastor daniel and i also want to thank and give uh, thanksgiving to the lord for our pastors in a very unusual uh, season and an exciting time we live in we have pastor daniel pastor karen standing out front with the banner saying follow me spending time intercede so thank you pastor just give him a hand clap or a horn, a horn beep, or whatever it is you got. Thank you, Pastor Daniel. Thank you, Pastor, Pastor Karen, for being our bold, courageous leaders and for, for uh, urging us to do whatever we can do to see people here at this time in history. If you're not aware of it, this is the final two minutes. If you're, if you're familiar with uh, watching football or basketball, you know it's a timed game. When the time runs out, the game is over, no matter what the score is. The game is over when time is out, and so uh, you'll know if you look at statistics of games and football, basketball, anything that involves a clock. When it comes down to the final few minutes, the all of the starters are cleared off the bench. They put in all of their A players. And the most points are scored of any game in the final few minutes. It's because the the anticipation and the pressure of finishing, here it comes. We've got to win. And just to use it as an analogy, that is exactly the time frame of the world that we live in, that you and I live in. We're in the last few moments where we bring out all of every tool, weapon, and weapon of the word, of prayer, of evangelizing, of giving. Giving is a weapon? Absolutely. Absolutely. As much as praying is a weapon, giving is a weapon as well. It smashes poverty. It smashes poverty mentality. And it slaps the devil in the face when you give, when you pray. Those are weapons. And we're in the last two minutes Of this earth, and it's so thrilling, even just to get to stand out here and proclaim. Because I know there's people watching online. I even have family watching online right now. Hi, so glad to see you. I'll talk to you after First Corinthians. First Corinthians. My pages are. (laughs) Oh, this is so great! Hey, you know what? Just to just to share with you, this is a personal thing. I love this because there is, there's basically nothing more irritating to me than, than uh, rain on my glasses. This is awesome. All right. Let's, uh, let's take a look at what some words that Paul shares with the church in Corinth. And he writes a letter in 1 Corinthians. We're going to look at this in just a moment. I'm going to pray. Would you pray for me? I really want to release what God's put in my heart today and to you online, and you, they'll use the parking lot, and I want to urge you with a special Easter message. So, Father, would you help us today? Give us ears to hear, give us a heart to receive, and, Lord, would you help me to communicate exactly what it is that you have dropped into my heart today. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was 14 years old, I, I wasn't as tall as my son is at 14 years old here. I wanted to be, but I wasn't. Bummer. My dad up and took me on a special trip, and I didn't want to go. You probably are familiar with what that's like. You probably have some kids that maybe feel like that when you say, we're going to go do some work outside. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All right, so my dad takes me on this trip, and he says, "Uh, son, it's just you and me, and uh, we're going to go on this missions trip to Mexico. So, I was terrified i didn 't want to go i 'd never been into another nation, and I thought you know honestly thought i 'm never coming back again somebody 's going to to take me away and uh, hide me and all these fears and things i mean it was for a fourteen year old that had never done anything like that. it was overwhelmingly uh, challenging for me to overcome emotionally and mentally, and I was frightened and so I'm there, and while I'm in Mexico, I mean, it's so hot. It was super hot, summertime, and the people that we went to serve on the missions trip ministered to children, and I had been familiar with ministering to children. I was 14, but when I was 12, I started serving in our kids' church, and I did hand puppets, and uh, so... I go to this missions trip, and I find out they're going to minister to kids. And I'm like, okay, at least there's one comfortable thing that I can do here uh, or, or help with. So the time came, they needed someone to be a clown. 110 degrees outside, my dad signs me up. Does anyone have a mom or a dad that signed them up for something? All the Davises... Honk your horn. There they are, all 1,400 of them. Okay, so my dad signs me up to be a clown in 110-degree weather, so they put all this makeup on me, all this clown makeup, and I'm sweating, and it's like running down my face. It's like getting in my eyes, and then they, like, take me up the street. I had to have been the most frightening clown you could ever imagine. You can probably imagine some clown that brings horror to your mind. I was probably worse. I can't imagine one kid wanting to come see what the party was about. I probably, you know, scared them off. It was awful. I was so embarrassed. Uh, There was, as a 14-year-old, I would look around at who else was on the missions team, and there were some cute girls on the missions team. Not as cute as the one in the, the black Honda right over here, but there were some cute girls, and oh, I wanted to impress them. And here my dad signs me up in 110 degrees to have runny makeup and walk up and down the street. Not only did he sign me up to wear clown makeup the next day, he signed me up to wear a chicken suit. They were looking for someone to go up and down the street holding the hand of someone who could speak Spanish and, 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 and yell, hey, come see the puppets at the show tonight. You know, it was a big crusade thing. Well, my dad signs me up. I know you're watching, Dad. Thanks so much. Uh, my dad signs me up to put on the chicken suit in 110-degree weather at noon. In Mexico, I can't speak Spanish. I didn't even try to speak Spanish. I was terrified to even be there. And I'm standing there like this. What are you doing? Why did you say? There's like all these other people. They could go, <clears throat> you know, put on the chicken suit. And my dad makes me put on this chicken suit. So I was not the stature of my son over here, Easton. I was kind of small. And I put this chicken suit on, and it's hot. It's like wearing a sleeping bag out in the you know 110 degree weather, and the the you have to imagine those suits that you know like the bears this morning, they have a see through area that you can actually try to see where you're going or whatever. Well, the chicken suit, uh, the see through area was higher than I could stand. It's like it was like right here, and no matter what I did, I couldn't see out. Out the thing, I'm like totally blind, and I can't, I'm sweating, there's sweat running down my face, and I can't even wipe my face. By the way, Pastor Daniel, I hope you can hear me in there. Pastor Daniel, I just want to thank you for letting me preach tonight, because I don't have to wear one of those breathe masks. I thought about filing for workers' comp for all the chafing I've got going on from the breathe mask. I mean, my face is red, my face hurts. Anyway, it was just a joke, kind of. You're welcome. Oh, yes, Lord. Hey, is it all right if we have a little bit of fun here? I mean, we're out here, We're already out here. This is so fun. So I get in the chicken suit. I can't see out, and uh, uh, I can't even wipe the sweat off my face because my arms are down in this thing, and I'm basically just stuck there. And somebody takes me up the street. Well, they stick me with somebody. They were supposed to give me somebody who speaks Spanish. They give me somebody who doesn't speak Spanish. And as I'm going up the street, I I can't see anything. All I can hear is, yeah, it sounds like a million buffalo running down the street. It was kids coming out of everywhere, coming out of the homes, coming out of wherever they are, and running to see the giant chicken. They had never seen a giant chicken. They wanna hug the chicken. They wanna beat the chicken. They wanna squeeze the chicken. They wanna trip the chicken. And the person with me can't speak Spanish with them enough to even tell them to stop. I'm just getting waylaid in the chicken suit, and I'm terrified. It was not what I would call the most memorable missions trip. And then my nose starts bleeding. I'm inside the chicken suit with the bloody nose. I can't wipe it. And I'm getting beat up by all the, by all the kids. Would anybody like to go on a missions trip? I'm looking for somebody that wants to wear a chicken suit. Minister Tammy, I'm gonna put you in a chicken suit. But something happened on that mission trip that I didn't know at the time. But when I got back to my normal MO, something had changed. And I'm going to get to it in just a moment because it didn't just change once. It was something happened on the inside of me. And this is an Easter message, has everything to do with our risen Lord. Something had happened inside of me that started and it grew and it grew and it grew, and it became amplified over time. And, and I'm going to share with you some words from Paul. And then the letter to the Corinthians. Now take a look at chapter 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. The book of Corinthians, or the letter to the Corinthian church, Paul addresses a whole lot of logistics about the right way to do things. The Corinthians needed some help. They needed some structure. They needed some uh, leadership. They needed some guidelines. They had some things wrong. They had some people that were teaching them wrong. And so Paul writes them this letter to get a bunch of things straight. But then he gets to chapter 9, which uh, correlates, interestingly enough, chapter 9 correlating with the book of Leviticus that we've been walking through in... Uh, Early morning prayer, I want to encourage you. You can join us live. Early morning prayer, we stream. We're reading the book of Leviticus. Don't worry, we've already passed all the bats and rats and eating all the conies and everything else. We're done with that. We're moving on. And uh, so now we're going to take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He's in this area. He's doing a teaching that relates to the book of Leviticus. Feel free to read that on your own and do a study there. But I want to point out something here. The uh, chapter 9, verse 19, and it's going to be kind of hard for me to read it because my pages are soaked through, but I'm going to try. Let's read it together. I'm reading from the NIV, though the last verse that I'm going to read is be- better translated in another version. We'll get to that. It says, though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this all for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessing. Here in the middle of Paul's correcting and teaching, we see what I'm calling the burden of Easter. Just for the sake of giving you something to relate to. Now when you hear the word burden, you think of something you don't really want to do. I have to go to the dentist and get a root canal. Is anybody praising Jesus over that one? Right? That would be like a burden. You're you're all the way up there. I had uh, knee surgery. And one of the things after surgery on my knees a few years ago, uh, I had to get some fluid injections into my knee. And the needle was well over three inches long. And they would stick it all the way in my knee as far as they could get it. And then push this this stuff into my knee. It was so powerful excruciatingly painful, especially if the doctor twitched his hand. Man, you talk about a burden. I would sit in the parking lot and pray in emergency tongues, trying to build up my faith just to walk in the door. I'm not talking about that kind of a burden. I'm talking about something on the inside that is a motivator and a driver and a dreamer and a Can't quit her. Let's take a look at what Paul's saying here. Paul is telling us of the burden that has come along with the gospel. The gospel being the good news that man is sinful and needs a savior, that God sent his son to be a savior, that Jesus came on this earth as a man, died on the cross for the sins, rose from the dead, and is at the right hand of the Father interceding, and we can have heaven as our home. That's the good news. It's the simplicity of the gospel. In receiving the gospel, Paul is clearly saying something came along with it that has, been, that has stirred in me and has compelled me to do things I didn't plan on doing. That is, there's other people that need to hear. There's other people that need the gospel. The gospel wasn't just for Paul, and it's not just for you and me. And we're gonna to get to that in just a moment. Uh, Paul is. Uh, we hear his willingness in these in this passage here. We hear his willingness to do whatever it takes to win people, adjusting who he is, how he is, what he says, where he's what he's doing, so that he might win people. Some people. What happened to Paul? The gospel happened to Paul. The gospel happened. And that's what I'm going to get to in just a moment. What Paul is saying, I want you to, to look at Paul's, uh, I want to, what I want to call the definitive statement of Paul here on 1 Corinthians 9. And then want we'll to look at the, the last part of verse 22. It says, I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. What is Paul saying here? What he's saying is I've got to bring good news to people. I've got to share this. Such something, something so amazing has happened to me. I've got to tell someone else so it can happen to them. God's great plan is for every person to hear, to receive, to have a moment of turning and a repentant moment before the Lord and to receive what God so graciously lavished upon them. Paul is saying, even if it means changing who I am. You know, let me give you just an example. Uh, I found out early on when I was about 12 years old, I had a natural gifting for changing my voice and god has used it in a dramatic way. and i i can't do all the voices that i used to do, but i still try to do some of them. if you want to see some of them, you can certainly watch our youtube youtube kids show, search for kings kids alaska. i used to do about 12 puppets, 12 different voices, 12 different characters on any given sunday. I could pull any of them out. I can't do that many anymore. But I found out that I could create an atmosphere and an environment for children that could open their heart to hear and receive simply by changing my voice and being a different character for them. Not for me, not for my vocal cords, so they could hear Paul is saying the exact same thing. The gospel has affected me so much. I'm I'm redeemed and I'm changed and I'm not what I used to be. And I can do something by which I can create a scenario that someone else could receive and hear. And I'm urging us today on this Easter Sunday to let that same effect of the gospel to come through us and affect us in the same way. What Paul is saying is he's not going to try to impress them with his education and hope they get the gospel. He's not going to demean them and make them feel terrible for who they are so that they can hear the gospel. He's... He's not going to try to make them logically understand all, how all of the prophets line up. Then they can hear the gospel. He's, he's coming to right where they are, on their turf. What he's not saying is, you, know, you, you, you want to make sure you don't hear me wrong and you don't hear Paul wrong. What he's not saying is that he's going to enter into a sinful life to save a sinner. That's not what he's saying. You can clearly catch that in the few verses right after the ones I read, where he's saying, Don't disqualify yourself for the prize. So don't take out of context this thing and say, Hey, I, I, to save some sinful people, I'm gonna go sin all I can. That way they can hear the gospel. That's not what Paul is saying. What he's saying over and over again to win as many as possible. What can I do? What can I do for that person? What do I know about them? How can I reach them? What about those people? What about those people? The rest of the chapter clearly states he's not talking about entering into sin so that people can be saved. I gave you the illustration of me changing my voice. That's what Paul's uh, talking about. I'm going to try to open my folded paper. Stand by. All right, hold on without tearing it. All right, I think we got it. This is fun. It's been a while since I preached in the rain. It's not my first time to have, be, have precipitation coming down with a microphone. I uh, actually was in the Philippines one time, and I got electrocuted so bad I flew out of the puppet stage and I thought and I could smell burning, and I thought they were going to have to take me to the hospital. That would have been a really bad day. I thank God. I think he gave me grace on that day. But there's been other moments that weren't so... Uh... All right, let's move on. I want to tell you about something else that happened to me. Just to help you understand what I'm talking about, living with a burden. See, when, when the Lord puts something in your life... When the gospel affects you, not just for you, but for the other people, it's God's heart that starts uh, coming through you, the heart of the Father. It's the same heart that held him on the cross, that sent Jesus in the first place. It's the same heart and the same burden and the love and the compassion for people that, that uh, caused him to endure everything he endured, that put him on the cross kept him on the cross till it was all accomplished and and held him there that's the heart of the father for you and me for people And when the Lord puts a burden, releases a burden in us for people, it will cause us to respond in the same way. It it will dictate your decisions. Your decisions in life will change when the burden of the gospel starts affecting you in the same way that it affects Paul, your decisions start changing. It will drive your dreams. Your dreams and your aspirations change when the gospel starts affecting you. You start seeing things from God's perspective. There is such a blind a blindfold that comes off once you receive Jesus and you really receive him, not in a religious prayer way, but in a heartfelt repentance and receiving what Jesus did for you, scales and blindfold on your perspective of life change and the gospel affects your dreams and what you think is worth the rest of your life. The next thing, uh, living with the burden of the gospel, burden from the Lord about what he, you know, what he drove him to the cross, is it replaces earthly values, all of a sudden the things you thought were so important to have and to earn and to be able to you know, present to other people and show other people to try to justify your life or try to get some praise from somebody, all of a sudden all those things begin to shift when the gospel starts affecting you. They, they shifted for Paul. It became God's perspective, God's values, the way God wants things, his intentions, his plans, his dreams. Also, it moves your focus from self-worship to God's intentions. See, before you, really, before you receive the gospel, you have no option but to worship self and the things that please self and the things that make self happy and the things that you think uh, self should be aiming at. Self is the center. But all of a sudden, something changes when you receive what God did for you. There's an exchange that happens. All of a sudden, your perspective changes, and you start seeing him. You go from me, me, me to him, him, him. The gospel affects what you think is important. The gospel affects the way you see yourself and the way you see the Father. The gospel moves your focus from self-worship to God's intentions. The burden of the gospel will not let you quit. I have to tell you what happened to me in 1998. I've shared this only a few times. 1998, my wife and I were engaged, and I was attending and helping in a children's ministry at a church near our the college, a university I was going to. And the pastor said, "Hey, we're going to start a new prayer meeting. I'm going to invite you to come." an hour before our evening service, just find a place to pray and then just let the Lord speak to you and intercede for the service and whatever. So I went. I didn't know what I was doing. I was 20. I decided to go. And uh, so I find a place to pray and I am kneeled down in the seat and I really didn't know what I was doing. So I didn't want anybody to see me because I didn't want somebody to tell me I was doing it wrong. And uh, tells you what I knew, right? So... I'm sitting there and, and I'm praying, and something happened to me that, that forever has changed my life. Uh, I had some sort of vision. That's the only way I know to say it. You remember those cameras uh, that where the picture spits out at the bottom? Polaroids? Everybody wanted one, and then they were gone for like 30 years, and now they're back. My daughter had to have one. You know, you click the button, it spits out. So I'm at this prayer meeting all by myself and I'm interceding and all of a sudden I start seeing thousands of those Polaroid pictures flashing in front of my mind. And I don't know another way to say it uh, other than they just kept moving and I couldn't make it stop. And every picture was a picture of a child and a lot, uh, and i don't remember all the faces but i remember none of them had smiles on their faces they were sad they were hurting they were broken and i couldn't make it stop i had tears running down my eyes the holy ghost i didn't know how to explain it the holy ghost comes upon me and i hear the lord say to me they need you they need you they need you they need what you have they need what you have i didn't even know what i had you know what i thought i had not smart enough, not wise enough, not money enough, not uh, quick enough in my body, not quick enough in my mind, didn't measure up. That's what I thought I had. That's what I thought God was saying to me. I didn't even understand the vision that was happening. God said, they need you. I've got tears running down my eyes, and I'm like, Lord, how could I possibly do anything? I have nothing. What do you mean? I was 20 years old. I didn't realize what he was talking about was the simplicity of the gospel. What they really need, what they really needed was somebody who would love them enough to share with them good news and to share God's great love with them in whatever fashion it would take to try to reach them. It was a burden that came upon me. In, at the age of 20, there's been so many times, I don't have them with me. I'm telling you, as a, a staff member at King's Cathedral, I'm just telling you there was some time, there's was there been times that have not been that fun. Am I right? I've had my keys in my hand, walking into my supervisor's office with every intention of tossing them in a quick, strong manner, making a lo- loud sound with them on the table, and saying, That's it. I'm done here. I can do something else. And I'm telling you the truth. I've never been able to do that. Because about the time I grab my keys, about the time I head down the hall, I can't even get to the door. Guess what comes back to me? The burden of the pictures in my mind. The Polaroids coming across. It's the burden of the gospel. It's what Paul's talking about here. It changes your life, changes your perspective. It's Easter What I mean by is, it's Easter is, what does Easter produce in you? It's going to, what Jesus did on the cross, clean your conscience, forgive you of your sin. But what's it going to do about your self-worship? What is the Easter? How are you going to let Easter, the heart of the Father, affect you here on earth? It's a great question to ask yourself. How is Easter affecting me? The whole story of Easter, because it's not, just, it's not just so you can have your sins forgiven. It's so you can bring hope of redemption to people who don't know. Hope. You carry hope. I've walked into some of our big box stores, which seem oblivious to the mandates that have been given. I think it's hysterical that we have mandates that are trying to keep churches from meeting, but our big box Money Turner stores have hundreds of people inside them and hundreds of cars in the parking lot closer than six feet together. I can't even get out of my car without almost hitting another car. But here, for some reason, it seems to be a challenge uh, with our local government understanding the church. I'm not sure how that works. Not, I'm so thankful. Our governor here in Alaska has allowed us to do what we're doing right now. But some of our states just don't get it. We're not on equal playing. We're not on equal playing ground here. Verse 23 shares with us. Now, I, I, before, I, before I got going here, I, I shared with you as a better translation for verse 23. It's kind of confusing. I don't want it to be confusing. If you're not a, a great uh, studier of Hebrew and Aramaic and, and Greek, maybe that's not your thing. So verse 23, if you look at it, it says, I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. A better way that you could probably say that is I do this so I can be God's partner in the blessing of the gospel. I can be God's partner. It's the story of Easter. I'm going to redeem some people so I can partner with them, so they can partner with me in bringing hope to people and life to people, and they can have my power flow through them. It wasn't, God's, it wasn't just God's intentions to get sin, rid of, sin out of your life. It's much more. He wants to partner with you. The gospel is you and him partnering after somebody else. You're on the same team. He wants to flow through you. He wants to operate through you, and not only does he give you a burden for it because of the gospel, he releases the Holy Ghost to flow through you. Few days later, God releases the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, not just to give you a burden, but give you the power to operate in that burden and to see people's lives touched, to see the burden shape your life, bring fruitfulness to your life, see God's name be glorified the burden of the gospel and the power to act upon it and then to reward you. I want to look at one more scripture and I want to challenge you with it regarding what happened on Easter and what has happened since then. It's the book of Revelation. It's the very end, the very end. Chapter 20, the very end of all things. Revelation 20, verse 11. This is an amazing Amazing passage. It says, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated upon it. Earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. I don't even know what that means. That must be awesome. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. What was open? Books. One more time. Books. Books were opened. Another book was opened. Okay, This so there's a set of books. And then there's another one called another book was opened which is the book of life the judge the ju- excuse me the dead were judged according to what they had recorded in the books books The sea gave up the dead that were in it. The death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. What are those other books? What is written on them and who's reading them? I don't know if you've ever this has ever captured your attention but I want to tell you you are writing a book in heaven for one person to read there's only one person whose viewpoint of that book matters When you stand before God, it's not going to matter what anybody else thought or said or what they thought your book should say or what they thought how your book should turn out. It only matters what one person reads in that book. When Jesus died and was raised from Easter on, he's given us the privilege to partner with him and to write an amazing story that gives him glory. Do not let Easter only give you half a story and that only being the story of you. Story the story of Easter is a twofold story. It's you and the people around you. It's me and my neighbors. Do you even know your neighbors' names? Have you even found out their names? At the end of time, your book is going to be opened. And you're going to be judged according to what is in it. You are writing a story about how Easter affected you. It's the story of Easter. It's the ending of the Easter story. The ending of the story of Easter was not the end of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's when your book is opened and God himself takes a look at to see how Easter has affected you. What did you do with Easter? What did you do with the hope that you were given? Does it even show up in the book? Don't let your life go by and only half of Easter affected you. There's another half that needs to show up in your book. For those of you that do not have your name written in the book of life, we'll get to that in just a moment. But for those of you that would like to finish your story out and write some pages for the, for the Lord God to enjoy reading, <laughs> today you can start. You can start that today. How does that work? Well, first of all, you need a glimpse of the Father. You need a new perspective of the Father's heart. You need a new perspective of how ugly yourself is and how much you need Jesus to come and rescue you because the people around you are exactly the same way. A new perspective. Let the gospel affect you. Let the burden of the gospel come upon you. It's for every person. I'm not sure I can even open my last pages of notes here. Get a burden this Easter. Ask God for his heart. Ask God to fill you with his spirit so that you can be empowered to act upon the burden. You need God's power to act upon the burden that comes with the gospel. It's a two, it's a twofold weapon, the gospel and his power. Thirdly, I want to encourage you to labor with somebody who's already acting on their burden. You can catch the burden. What do you think happened to me in Mexico when I was 14 and I was wearing nasty makeup and a chicken suit with a bloody nose? When I came back to the United States and I went back to my kids' church that I helped in, all 10 kids, there was a brokenness inside me for them. It was the burden. I didn't even know it showed up. I was serving with someone who was operating out of a burden, and the burden got on me. If you don't have a burden for the lost, you're in the right church because you can't escape a prayer meeting, you can't escape a life group meeting, a church service. Why do you think we don't let one worship service stop or end without giving people an opportunity to be saved the burden of the gospel let it affect you you can pray a burden into your life start praying for the lost start praying for your family that desperately need jesus start praying god help me pray for the lost even just start with one step operate under that burden and then act do something even in quarantine. Are you kidding? There has never been a time in history that it was more easy to declare and to live out the gospel in front of people. You shine in front of them. They can't help but wonder, why in the world are you so happy? Don't you know the world's falling apart and we can't even do this and that and I'm tired of wearing a face mask. You shine like stars. You shine at work. You shine on the phone. Use your social device. People are so longing for something to bring them hope. Science has no hope right now. There's no hope in our education systems. There's no hope the government can't stop this thing. Science can't stop it. They're trying. Money can't stop it. Soothsayers and, and, and all those that worship demons, they can't stop it. But you hold something inside you, and so do I. It's none of those things. It's hope, the hope of the gospel. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hey, we're going to pray today. I'm going to pray for you. That God would release in you a burden for your family, for your neighbors, for your coworkers, and you would act on it. You would pray into it, you would serve into it, you would see it grow and multiply. The burden that came upon me in 1998 has grown. It's my life now, I can't escape it. I don't want to escape it, it's who I am. I became somebody else because of the burden. If you need to receive jesus if you need your name written in the lamb's book of life i read one scripture there it's clear if your name is not in the lamb's book of life uh only destruction at the end will you face if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life he was thrown into the lake of fire i'm urging you i'm urging you to escape the lake of fire by getting your name in the lamb's book of life there's coming a time where you won't get a second chance this is your only chance you're not guaranteed tomorrow i'm urging you right now pray this prayer right out loud pray it with me i'm going to lead you right now you can receive jesus as your lord and savior you can have your name written in the lamb's book of life you don't have to go to hell god made a way for you that's what this day is about pray this simple prayer we're going to make it simple say it with me say heavenly father I need your free gift of eternal life. Forgive me of all my sin. Come into my heart. Come into my life. I believe in my heart. You died on the cross and you rose from the dead. I say with my mouth, you're my God. You're my savior. You're my Lord. Write my name in your book of life. Thank you for hearing me. Thank you for loving me. I'm going to live for you from this moment on. Simple prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now let me pray for you. I'm going to turn this back over to Pastor Daniel somehow. He's got a mic. He can jump up on the stage there. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray a burden of the gospel come upon every person, not just here in the parking lot, But those that are watching online, every life group leader, every person involved in our evangelism team, every ministry team, person that is in one of our ministry teams, every one of the pastors that's watching online right now, ministers of the gospel that are watching online, may the burden of the gospel come upon them. The burden of the gospel come upon them. While time is short, God, give us courage and boldness. Empower them by your spirit to act and to see the burden change their life at the end of time. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Daniel.
1: What a great word. What a great word. Come on, lift your hands into the heavens and just thank God. Lord, thank you. Thank you. You know, Pastor Kirsten, I have the same story, but different. God's changed my life, too. I was a castaway. Different vision, different encounter, but when you encounter God, he'll transform you He'll give you a burden. Your life's worth living. It'll make you stand out in the midst of rain, freezing cold, until the microphone freezes in your hand like just happened for him. I know that happened because that happened to me right before he got up there. We're going to change the world. Can you say hallelujah? I'm going to close in prayer. Uh, I want to bring your attention to this Unite 714. There's a brand new prayer that's up. I just posted it on my personal Facebook. I'll put it up on the church's Facebook, and we'll get that out to everybody. But I'm going to read it, and then we'll close. Ephesians 6, 18 and 19 praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints and for me also that words may be given to me in opening my mouth to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel like Pastor Kirsten just did. Psalm 18, verse 2, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. And here's to prayer that thousands and thousands of people will pray two times a week at 714 at night and 714 in the morning all week long. And again, I'll repost this so you can find it, but you can download it at Unite714.com. Lord, we humbly call upon your name, asking you for supernatural peace and strength. In Ephesians 6, the Apostle Paul speaks of the supernatural power of prayer. And as we pray tonight, we're fully engaged, armed in the battle against COVID-19. Your word says that when we pray according to your will, our prayers are mighty and powerful, and you are the rock, the shield, and fortress. Lord, protect our families, churches, cities, and nations from the effects of COVID-19. We ask you to put fresh words of faith, comfort, healing, Salvation in the words of your people around the world. Give pastors and their congregations the words they need to fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. We pray that through this prayer of faith today, fear and worry will lose its grip over our world. We declare lord we ask you to shield us our families our churches our cities our nations our world from the ravages of covid 19. lord we ask you to shield doctors and nurses first responders and vulnerable people from contracting COVID-19. Lord, we ask you to shield the world from panic and despair. As your church boldly proclaims the good news of Jesus Christ in this uncertain time, may people find true comfort and peace in their souls as a call on your name. We humbly ask all these things in the powerful, matchless, mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What a powerful prayer that is. Whee! traditional blessing that we pray out of numbers chapter six i'd encourage you also to be plugged into the different things that happen this week we have life groups all week and various times and uh, also to um, uh to be plugged into the different things that are taking place like we have zoom meetings and life group meetings can someone help me with our lift because it's screaming at us right now thank you so much Appreciate that. Just kill that red switch on top and it'll stop hollering. Thank you, Pastor Kirsten. Put your hands together for Pastor Kirsten. What a great word. Amen. So avail yourself of the different things that are happening, all right? You need food, you need anything, you call us. You can drop food off. And uh, it'll be distributed as as people have need. We love you so much. Thank you for turning out in the parking lot. Thank you for turning out on Facebook and, and uh, on YouTube and all our different platforms. We love you. God is truly on the throne. These are the greatest days. These are them. We'll be meeting again Wednesday in the parking lot as the Lord allows. So, thank you for all of our media people and everybody that's been putting all the hard work in. Thank you. If you have a desire to help, you be sure to let us know and we'll find a place for you to be able to serve at the uh, social distancing uh, rules that they're asking us to follow, which we are following. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you that you have released vision and the burden of the Lord upon your people. Thank you that tonight people gave their hearts to you. Oh, and if you did that, if you gave your heart to Jesus or recommitted, won't you let us know? Won't you tell us? Send us an email. Send us a DM. Put a comment up. We want to help you grow in the things of God. If you don't have a home church, will not you make this your home? This is a great church. Great families here. It's beautiful to be together today. What a great God. Bless your people, God. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us and give us peace. In Jesus' name, be healed, be blessed. And remember, God's on the throne. The devil's been defeated. We love you. We'll see you Wednesday. We'll see you at ETS. We'll see you at all the virtual things we're doing. We love you. God bless you. Thank
0: you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.